Good day and welcome to the NCSA Mental Health Devotions. My name is Nandi Fleming and I'll be your host for today's worship. Before we start, let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you once again that we can open up your word and learn about our bodies and our minds and our emotions and how you created us so fearfully and wonderfully. And Lord, um, help us to understand our minds and our bodies and our hearts better so that we can live a better life. Lord, um, I think we often fail to understand what an amazing mechanism you have given us to use on a daily basis. Lord, where there is sadness and pain today, may your word illuminate the path for us to find healing and to find joy. This is my prayer in your name. Amen. I'd like to read for you for our verse today out of the book of Psalms 137 and verse 1. It says, By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and we wept when we thought of Jerusalem. The title for my talk today is Tears Worth Shedding. So whenever I read this verse, the one in Psalms 137, I kind of feel okay that the Israelites were crying besides the banks of the river of Babylon. You see, because they had a reason to cry. They had lost their home, which was Zion, and their pain and their grief justified the tears. However, we are not so understanding always about our own tears when it comes to the pain that we experience. Have you ever scolded yourself for crying or gotten irritated with the fact that you just start crying and you don't always know why? Have you ever asked your question, yourself the question, like, why? Why am I crying? So when I was younger in school, I used to laugh at my mom quite a bit because she cried and probably still does for everything. Sad moments, happy moments, neutral moments. Oh, look, there's a snail. She starts to cry. Now, I have to emphasize that I say I used to laugh. And that is until I started crying for everything. <laughs> and this really irritated me tremendously. I was like, why now all of a sudden all the waterworks? I never used to be like this. Until I read a quote by Anne McCaffrey. And she explains why we tend to cry. Why we cry. She says, to cry is to release all sorts of ugly little pressures and tensions. Like waking out of a long dark dream into a sun-filled day. What a nice way to describe why we cry and what it does for us. You see, it's only then that I realized that the reason I was crying more and for random things is because as I got older, I started to see the world for what it truly was. You see, when you're young, you're very innocent and you see the world very one-sided. And I didn't know as an adult always how to handle the realities of this sinful world. And so tears were the way in which I communicated all those things that were going on around me and how I felt about them. I realized that crying for me had become a way to communicate the things that I could not express in words. When words became inadequate to express my emotions, tears would do the work for me. Sometimes I would cry for sadness, joy, frustration or anger, sometimes excitement. Sometimes we cry because we're in awe or even because of fear. And tears communicate our thoughts and our feelings. You see, it wasn't just sadness that made me cry or that makes you cry. And I think the problem with why we get so irritated with it when we cry or when other people cry is because we don't really understand it. You see, we think about crying very one-dimensionally. We always associate it with sadness and pain. 
and therefore we interpret it as weakness. But I'd like to share a story with you that demonstrates out of my own life how one can cry, not just because of sadness. I recall there was a day where I was asking for some information from a lady at a place where I used to work. And this person, this lady, refused to give me the information that I needed to continue with my work. And she did this purely out of spitefulness. I let it go. A few minutes later, I asked another colleague a different question. And just as he was about to answer, this very same lady interrupted our conversation and tried to control me once again. I'd been very patient and kind up to this point. And I'm not a person who naturally has outbursts of rage or anger. But this was enough to send me into rage, luckily only internally, not externally. I told her calmly, but assertively, as assertively as possible, that she wasn't my boss and that she had no authority over me. This turned into an argument from her side because she was so shocked that I confronted her. I stopped her right there and said to her that I think we need to stop before this gets ugly. I told her that I was going to go outside and take a breather and perhaps when we were both calm we could discuss it further. I walked out of that office that day furious. You see, I was not able to react to my anger or in my anger. But if I could, I wanted to kill her. If I hadn't been restrained by God and the Bible guiding my behavior, I would have strangled her that day. Maybe not to death, but at least till she passed out. Well, at least that's what my human side said I would have done. But instead, I walked out. I walked out, and the minute I got outside that building, I burst out in tears uncontrollably. I cried. That day, I cried viciously, not because I was sad, but because I was furious. I was irritated. I was irate. I was angry. I was so angry at her being so rude and disrespectful in her behavior towards me. I did not cry that day because I was sad. I unfortunately believe that the reason that we have so much violence in the world is because we do not use tears as a pressure relief valve for all the built-up anger and irritation and frustration that we experience, especially on a daily basis. There's a saying by Dale Turner that says, tears are a safety valve of the heart when too much pressure is laid upon it. And there are people who have died because of heart attacks, because they've, had been, they've been in fits of anger. They allow their anger to overtake them and they go into cardiac arrest. Dr. Rachel Lampert actually did a study on this, where she concluded that anger really does impact the heart's electrical systems in a very specific way that can lead to sudden death. Crying when angry may actually save your life because it improves your mood, it releases stress, it detoxifies the body, and it even dulls your pain. I will explain how this works a little bit later. Crying actually can activate the parasympathetic nervous system and restore the body to a state of balance. Basically, what these fancy words mean is that when you are anxious, when you are angry, your body goes into fight or flight. It's not just with anger, but your body goes into fight, freeze or anything like that. And what happens is, is that if you cry, it counters that anxiety, it counters that fight or flight, and it actually calms you down. Tears have a way of calming you down. So all of this information kind of made me curious about tears and about crying. So I decided to investigate crying and tears and the biology behind tears as well as the psychology. So why do we cry? Why did God give us this ability to shed tears from our eyes? So there's a few facts that I want to share with you out of interest about tears. 
They tell us there are people who we call high-volume producers. That's basically people who cry a lot. They say that high-volume producers can produce between 15 to 30 gallons of tears a year. That's 50 to 115 liters of tears a year. <laughs> Interesting. That's a lot. I wonder who gathered all those tears. <laughs> and then statistically, they say that women can cry an average of five times a month, men only one time per month. Now, remember, this is an average. You might tell me that you're crying every day. But there are some women who don't cry that much. So I've also heard one of the reasons why women live longer than men is because they tend to cry more and therefore they release more stress from their bodies, which keeps their bodies and minds balanced and therefore allows them to live healthier for longer. Now, when we talk about tears, there's basically three types of tears that your eyes will secrete during your life. The first one is basal tears. Basal tears is basically the moisturizing antibacterial tear that is released in your eye all the time when you blink for protection. Then there's something called a reflex tear, which is basically the tears that you cry when you cut onions. These tears are triggered by irritants such as wind, smoke, onions, or things that get into your eyes like bugs. Um, they're basically released to flush out these irritants and protect your eye. And these tears are usually released in large amounts in order to get these irritants out of your eye. But then the one that I'm talking about today and that I want to share more information with you about today is emotional tears. These are usually tears that are shed in response to a range of emotions. These tears contain a high level of stress hormones more than any other tear. So what exactly are the emotions that can be communicated through tears? Now, I believe all emotion can be communicated through tears, but here are some that I can highlight for you. Sometimes we cry for no reason. Sometimes we cry when we're upset, angry, irritated, even hungry. Sometimes we cry for happiness or when we're satisfied or relieved. Sometimes we shed tears of joy, gratitude or longing. Sometimes we shed tears because of sympathy. There is also times where we shed tears because of repentance, when we have done something wrong. Then you get bitter agony, where you shed tears because of the pain that you've been through and all of those things. And then there's sometimes things called hypocritical tears, where people put on a show and cry just to get attention. So what is the purpose of crying? It's a visible expression of your emotions and your thoughts. Tears are the body's way of saying what you dare not say with your mouth. So embrace your tears, I say. It's a true expression of what you're going through and what you're feeling and thinking. Tears can be a visible expression of your thoughts and your emotions. This kind of teaches us that not everybody that cries, cries because they're sad. It can be for a vast array of reasons. And I want to encourage you that although others may not always understand the reason that you are crying or for your tears, that God does. There's a song that um, heritage singers sing that says, tears are a language that God understands. In my mind, this means that he knows what the thoughts and the emotions behind your tears mean. He knows why that tear is sitting on your eye duct. So the question is, do you perhaps think that it's time that we pay more attention to what the true messages are behind our tears? What is the emotions and the thoughts that are going on behind our tears, as well as the tears of those around us? So there are reasons that we don't like crying. As much as it sounds all good and all of that, but there are reasons why we don't like crying. And the, the, this is some of the reasons. 
I think mostly because we have no control over when or how it comes. And this can be really irritating. You know, you're sitting at work um, or you're in a meeting and all of a sudden, because of a thought or a feeling, you burst out in tears. The book of Ecclesiastes says, Again, I observed all the oppression that takes place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed with no one to comfort them and the oppressor having great power over their victims that are helpless. The book of Ecclesiastics is basically saying here that the reason that I think some people avoid crying or don't like crying is because there's no comfort in it for them. There's no one to comfort them in their distress. So why cry? In our pain and in our anger, nobody is there. Nobody cares. So people seldom cry um, and they seldom find somebody to wipe away their tears. Another reason why we tend not to cry is because we consider crying a sign of weakness. We think that crying is always linked to sadness. But even if it was, sadness is a normal human emotion. It's an emotion and an expression that even Jesus made use of. We see two times in the Bible where the Bible mentions that I could find where Jesus cries. And both of the times that Jesus cries, the emotion behind his tears is, interestingly enough, sadness and compassion. John 11 verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible, says that Jesus wept. And we know that the reason that he wept is not necessarily because Lazarus had died, but because he saw the pain and the hurt of everybody around them, around the grave, because of his death. And Jesus cared. Jesus cared enough to cry. Luke 19 verse 41 says, And when he came near, he beheld the city and he wept over it. Jesus saw the city of Jerusalem and in his foresight, he realized that soon the city would be destroyed, not just physically, but because of its sin. And because of this, he cried. Tears of sadness, Jesus cried. And so if the Lord of the universe can cry in sadness, why not us? You see, God designed our bodies with the ability to shed emotional tears for a reason. And perhaps that reason is because there's actually some good benefits behind crying. We've mentioned some before, but I'd like to share a little bit more. So here are some benefits of crying. The first one is crying activates the parasympathetic nervous system, as I said, and it actually helps you to relax. It, fight, it counters the fight or flight or anxiety that you feel when you find yourself in a difficult situation. Crying can also help you to get support from others around you. In other words, tears are helpful signals to other people about your emotional state, hopefully soliciting sympathy, or perhaps it shows when you are in a dangerous situation that you are submissive. Um, or in a relationship, if you've done something wrong, it shows that you are sorrowful. So in other words, tears can communicate certain messages to those around you. Another reason why tears is actually good for you is because shedding emotional tears actually releases oxytocin and endorphins into the bloodstream. Oxytocin and endorphins in turn help improve your mood. And this is why we often feel better after we've had a good cry because oxytocin and endorphins are feel-good chemicals that are released into the bloodstream once we have shed our tears. Emotional tears, interestingly, also contain higher levels of stress hormones. Um, the two stress hormones that I'm aware of is ACTH and something called encephalin, um, which basically are natural painkillers. 
It's interesting that God built the body to release natural painkillers when you find yourself in stressful situations. And not just stressful situations, but whether it's situations of anger or anything like that. Um, stress hormones in turn um, help the body. How does it do that? Because it increases your adrenaline, your heart rate, it elevates your blood pressure, it boosts energy supply to your body. Cortisol is released, which is the, basically the primary stress hormone, which increases your sugars, which is your glucose into your bloodstream. It enhances your brain's use of the glucose and then increases your ability um, to repair tissue. <laughs> now, that was a big mouthful, but basically all of these things that follow one upon the other helps your body to heal. So if you are crying because maybe you cut yourself or you were in a car crash and there's actual physical pain in your body, tears release all of these different kind of things that activates the repairing of tissues in the body, which means the minute you start crying, your body realizes there is damage that needs to be repaired and it starts the repair process. A small study in 2015 also found that crying babies, once they've cried, sleep better. Now, more study is needed in terms of if this is the same reason for adults, but that's an interesting fact. Another reason why it's good to cry is because if you cry, it helps you to avoid emotional outbursts that lead to aggression um, as mentioned in the case where I told the story with me before. In other words, crying is like an exhaust port for excess feelings. Um, if you feel okay with crying, it can actually set you free from your anger and your stress. Tears really are the release valve for all the built-up stress and pain within your life. And letting your tears out might be better than finding yourself in a situation of anger and sadness and frustration. This will make you less prone to emotional explosions. So my question is, a lot of men don't feel that it's okay to cry. But I'd like to tell you that it is important because if you don't open the release valve to your heart and your mind by crying, you are keeping all of those emotions inside, which, which basically amplifies over time. And all of those feelings lead to worse feelings and then dangerous situations. So, once again, why is it actually dangerous for you not to cry? Crying persons live longer because they have less stress and less emotional buildup. Um, if you cry, it promotes physical and mental well-being. So, if you don't cry, your physical and mental well-being will go down. If you don't cry, it basically means that you're going to be bottling up, which could put you in the danger of having heart attacks. Um, there's an interesting saying by a man by the name of Robert J. Grover. He says, uncried tears have a way of filling the well of sadness even more deeply. In other words, he's saying that you have a well of sadness and not just sadness, but all these other emotions inside of you. And if you don't cry the tears to let them out, if you don't find that pressure relief, your, your well starts to fill up and then it causes physical and mental illness. So if you're still not convinced that crying is actually profitable to you and that it's not a bad thing and that God created it and even Jesus himself cried, I'd like to share some Bible verses of people who actually cried with you. I'll start off with woman, woman in the Bible. Genesis 21 verse 16 tells us that Hagar cried in the desert because of the impending death of her son. In other words, she was crying because of what was the emotion behind it? Betrayal and a feeling of hopelessness. 
Then we see Samuel's mother crying in 1 Samuel 1 verse 7 to 11. And we know that she cried because she was barren and she couldn't have a son. In my mind, she was crying to the Lord out of desperation. Then we see in Luke 7 verse 38, the adulterous woman who washed Jesus' feet with her hair with her tears. I believe that her tears were tears that were shed in repentance prompted by his love for her and her love for him. And then Ruth 1 verse 14, we see Orpah, Ruth and Naomi crying when they say goodbye to each other. Tears of longing and sadness and separation. And then the last one for women, Esther 8 verse 3. We see Esther seeking an audience with the king and coming before him with tears in her eye, making her request to save her people from the destruction that was plotted by Haman. She was crying tears of fear, fear for her nation and fear for her own life. Interesting. But then I want to come specifically to men in the Bible. You know, yes, the Bible is a patriarchal book and there's more stories of men in the Bible than women. But a lot of times when the women were mentioned, it was one-liners. This woman cried, this woman cried, this woman cried. But there's a lot of stories in the Bible that give me the idea that men in the Bible or some men in the Bible were high producers of tears. So some men in the Bible who shed tears were people like Esau. The Bible tells us in Genesis 27 verse 34 that Esau cried because he lost the blessing that his father was supposed to give him. His tears were tears of regret and loss. That was the story behind his tears, I think. And then Genesis 37 verse 35, we see Jacob crying. He cries because his sons had brought him the cloak of Joseph that had been torn and covered in blood. And assuming that his son had been killed by wild animals, he cries uncontrollably. And I believe that his tears were tears of grief because of the the thought of death of his son, sadness. Then we see in Luke 22 verse 62 that Peter cried at the betrayal that he caused Jesus, tears of regret. And then of course, 2 Kings 20 verse 5, we see that God says that he saw Hezekiah's tears when he learned through the prophet that he was going to die. These were tears of fear, fear of impending death, I believe. Job also cried, Job 16 verse 20. Job notes that although his friends scorned him, that he poured out his tears before God. His tears of sadness, despair, and many questions. And then Genesis 29 verse 11, Jacob cried. This is an interesting one. Jacob cried when he meets his uncle's daughter and his future wife, Rachel. I believe these were tears of happiness and success. So you see, we do not just cry for one emotion. And even the biblical characters, men and women, both cried for various reasons. There is a saying that says by um, Mahogany Silver Rain, My body needs laughter as much as it needs tears. Both are cleansers of stress. And then I want to just share with you the high volume producers in the Bible that I came across. Two people in the Bible that I believe were high volume producers when it came to tears. The one is a confession by King David in Psalms 42 verse 3 um, and Psalm 6 verse 6. King David records how he cries. He says, my tears have become my food day and night. He describes how his couch is wet and drenched because of all of the crying that he is doing. I believe he was a high volume producer, probably around about 115 liters a year. And you know what? It's refreshing to have a man admit that he cries a lot. And yet he was one of the greatest biblical monarchs that we know of. There's another man in the Bible that cried quite a bit. And this was Joseph. 
He wasn't the king, but he was second in command in Egypt. Quite a significant man in biblical history. And if you look at the story of Joseph, he cried quite a lot throughout the story. The Bible tells us that he wept twice when he first recognized his brothers coming to buy food. Then he cried again when he saw his blood brother, meaning Benjamin, for the first time. Then he cries when Judah offers himself up instead of a prisoner for Benjamin's sake. Then he cries again when he reveals himself to his brother Benjamin. And then he cries again when he reveals his identity to his brothers, to all of them. And then he cries again when he sees his father for the first time. And then eventually at the end of the story, he cries again when his father passes away. And then his brothers come to him and beg him for forgiveness once again after their father had passed because they were scared he may exact vengeance against them after their father had died. And once again, Joseph cries. Interesting that this biblical story mentions Joseph crying so much. Um, And I don't think it's because they're trying to demean Joseph. I think it's there for a reason because God wants to show us that he created us with this ability inside of us to cry. And it's a way of us expressing our emotions and relieving that pressure that is inside of us. So I want to mention, since I gossiped about my mom, I think I should do the same about my dad. So my dad, as a man, is the opposite of my mom. I have never seen him cry in my entire life. He's been to many funerals, funerals of people, funerals of his family members, and I have not seen him cry once. I don't know why that is, but I suppose for all men it's sort of the same. You know, there's that feeling or that thing, big boys don't cry, it's not masculine to cry, it's weakness. But then I want to encourage those men who are listening to this talk, that look at these amazing leaders of God and how they were not ashamed to cry or to even weep. The Bible tells us that Joseph cried so loudly when he revealed himself to his brothers that the Egyptians as well as the house of Pharaoh heard him. Talk about a proper cry fest. And many of these men and women in the Bible understood the benefits of emotional crying, I would like to believe. You see, there are many good Um, benefits to crying. And I actually found an article on WebMD that speaks about um, the Japanese people and how strongly they believe in the health benefits of crying. They've literally taken this wisdom to the next level. And some cities in Japan now have what they call crying clubs called ruikatsu, meaning literally tear-seeking, where people come together to indulge in a good old-fashioned sob fest. (laughs) This is according to an article in WebMD. So how are we going to transition from feeling shameful about our tears to celebrating them and celebrating the healing power that God has put inside of them? There's this artist that I discovered that collects people's tears and photographs them. His name is Maurice Mickers. He's also called the dream catcher. He collects people's tears and he takes pictures of real people's tears under a telescope. He then allows the person to share the specific story or emotion or thought that produced these tears. He has created something today which is known as his Imaginarium of Tears. You see, the thing is when he takes the pictures of these tears, the tears are very much like snowflakes. They have a unique molecular structure. Each tear is as unique as the story and emotions that initially brought those tears to the person's eyes. Tears of joy, tears of gratitude, longing, fear, sympathy, repentance, bitter agony or sadness. 
You see, your tears tell a story, and this is what Maurice Mickers is trying to capture by his pictures. But I want to tell you something interesting today, that Maurice is not the first tear catcher, but Jesus is the original tear catcher. He has a massive imaginarium of tears. The Bible tells us that he keeps track of all our tears. It says that he has collected all our tears in a bottle. Um, and he has recorded each one of them in his book. This is in the book of Psalms that you can read this verse. There's a saying that says, We usually don't recall all the people that we've shared laughs with, but we barely or rarely forget people who have shared tears with us. So my recommendation for you today is this. Cry. But don't just cry. Cry with God. Cry with God. Trace and record your tears in his imaginarium of tears. People say that, you know, ideas are worth spreading. But Maurice Mickers says that tears are worth shedding. And the beauty about tears is, is that they are worth shedding. We are supposed to heal through them. We're supposed to grow through them. But we know that tears will not always be a part of our lives. We won't always need these painkillers as we have learned through um, the psychology that they can be. Because the Bible tells us that um, one day God will wipe away all our tears from our eyes and there should be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. This is Revelation 21 verse 4. But until that time comes, your tears are worth shedding. May God bless you. The Pastoral Counseling Department of the NCSA invites you to join our free audio mental health devotions. You can subscribe by WhatsApping the word YES to plus 27836584296. Broadcasts will be sent out directly to your phone on WhatsApp. Topics are centered on biblical and psychological ways to achieve good mental health and a balanced lifestyle despite the trials and crises of life. If you would like to receive these free audio mental health devotions, then send the word yes to plus two seven eight three six five eight four two nine six. And now May your darkness turn to light as the sun of righteousness rises with healing in his wings.